the Sales Enablement Society, Stories from the Trenches, where enablement practitioners share their real-world experiences. Get the scoop on what's happening inside sales enablement teams across the global SES member community. Each segment of Stories from the Trenches share the good, the bad, and the ugly practices of corporate sales enablement initiatives. Learn what worked, what didn't work, and how obstacles were eliminated by corporate teams and leadership. Sit back, grab a cold one, and join host Paul Butterfield, Vice President of Sales Enablement at Instructure, for casual conversations about the wide and varied profession of sales enablement, where there is never a one-size-fits-all solution. Hello. Welcome back, everybody. We really appreciate the time you spend with us a couple times each month and, and listening to what everybody else out there is doing. As you remember, sales, uh, Stories in the Trenches is always been, always will be a buy-us-for-us format where we try to find the really cool things that people in our profession or stakeholders are doing and bring them here and learn from them. With that in mind, really excited to introduce you to today's guest. Uh, is Jamie, today's guest, I should say, is Jamie Klanick. Jamie and I actually met through Pavilion, if that's a, a group that you may be familiar with. But Jamie has an extensive background in multiple international successful M&As, mergers and acquisitions. And he and I got to talking recently about the fact that enablement, sales enablement, is a critical partner in a successful transition like that. Both a critical partner of the revenue operation, you know, ops team and the overall teams that are being brought together. So welcome, Jamie. We appreciate you being here. Thank you so much, Paul. I, I appreciate it. I appreciate um, the time with Sales Enablement Society and um so just a, just a quick uh, background on me. I spent a long career in revenue operations, primarily at IBM, and uh, where I was involved in sales enablement in Japan and in China, ran worldwide groups, and then most recently in my last company, ran a sales enablement team. Also, it, it, in my uh, experience at IBM, I was in charge of doing M&A integration where when IBM would acquire companies, and they're primarily software companies, integrating them into IBM, which included CRM, commissions, and really most importantly, the sales enablement function, uh, which is very key to the M&A integration, the whole strategy. For our audience, we're going to break some new ground here today. You just heard the depth of experience that Jamie's bringing to this conversation, and as we prepared together, it, it became obvious to both of us that there are so many moving parts to a successful acquisition that to really talk about it in depth in our half-hour format wasn't going to be very easy, probably wouldn't even be that successful. And so this is part one. And in a couple weeks, Jamie will be back and we'll cover part two. So hopefully you'll join us for that as well. Jamie, I, just to personalize, help people get to know you a little bit. Let's say that uh, you got a call tomorrow uh, from NBC and they tapped you to be the new host of your own late night show. Who would you pick as your first guest and why would you pick them? So the, the first person that I would bring on would be 
Stetson Bennett the fourth. He is the University of Georgia quarterback that was a walk-on mm-hmm. um, that um, he had all odds against him and won the national championship for the Georgia Bulldogs just a couple of weeks ago. Um, I think that his story is absolutely amazing and inspiring from a guy that was um, really a, a scout team quarterback was, was um, I guess he was being uh, Baker Mayfield. This was a number of years back mm-hmm. and um, the coaches were um, looking at or just amazed by what he was doing mm-hmm. and uh, worked his way up from the fifth, fifth string all the way to starter went through uh, even even when he's going for the national championship people were still doubting his ability to win the national championship and he did it and uh, I would just love to, to, to talk to him um, I'm just really amazed and admire uh, what he did great he choice and by the way I'm a gator but I still think it'd be interesting to hear his story I'd probably want to talk to him as well so there you go <laughs> All right. So today we decided to talk about the early stages of uh, an M&A, right? When in, in due diligence, human resources, and then announcing that acquisition publicly. Which one do you want to start with? Let's start. I think the very beginning is the due diligence. And mm-hmm. it's, I think it's the you know, starting of the relationship with the target company. And, um, and so there's a lot of moving parts just, just in that alone. Great. So in your experience, where should sales enablement be playing in that stage? I think at the very beginning, um, I think that um, coming in, uh, typically, uh, you know, in my experience, we, we brought a lot of the experts in and in the sales track, uh, talking to the company, the sales team. I think sales enablement should have a seat at the table, understanding what the products and offerings are, what the product market fit. Um, how go-to-market and routes-to-market are covered, the coverage model, and then, you know, what, what are the roles that the, the headcount sales professionals are, are in? Are they specialists? Are they portfolio? And I think that, you know, in a lot of cases that it, it may not be a no-go with sales enablement, but um, I think getting in early can also, you know, give proper guidance and, and advice to um, sales to understand what what they're potentially acquiring. Yeah, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, while I was at Vonage, it was um, actually I reported to pretty much a guy like you, uh, senior VP of operations that had come with an acquisition that we made and had done three other successful exits in his career. So uh, because of that, he understood the need and the first round of NDAs that were signed internally. I was on that, and so that we could, I could be there, could start planning and thinking about things. So in your experience, you know, a lot of the things that you met, or a few of the things you mentioned, for example, the go-to-route, excuse me, go-to-market uh, and routes-to-market coverage model, those are hardcore rev ops, uh, typically. So where, do you, where have you successfully seen sales enablement partner up on things that the rev ops team is working on? Or do you disagree? Feel free uh, to disagree. No, I, I no, I, I, I completely agree. And yes, it is, it, it is, you know, primarily a, a rev ops. But w- with respect to sales enablement and mm-hmm. understanding the go to market, understanding if it's you know product led or SMB enterprise named accounts, mm-hmm. I think it's real important for our sales enablement colleagues to 
understand how you know this the company, the target company, is going to um, you know sell their products and offerings. And then the rest market really is: do you use channels? Do you use inside? Do you use mm-hmm. influencers? And mm-hmm. then understanding that, and then the sales enablement colleague can start to understand what their um, you know how they can help with making this a smooth integration. Mm-hmm. You know, say similar thing with coverage model. Do you, you know, do you have, is it region or is it industry? Is it, you know, do you have account executives or do you have face-to-face? Is it inside? It's, it's all of the above. And I think the earlier, the better for sales management to have a good understanding and, and also have a seat at the table to you know, give advice and counsel to sales. Just unpack that a little bit. So you mentioned roles such as specialists, portfolio reps, you know, channel reps, tech sales. Should enablement be looking at their needs and onboarding differently, or are they generally onboarded successfully as a single cohort? What's your experience? No, I, I well, I think I think initially it could be a single co- cohort. Mm-hmm. I think that there's some very basic things that are for all of them, but really getting in and understanding. So when I say specialists, these would be people with you know really deep domains, specialized. The guy, guy or gal you bring in to help um, you know solve it, a, a customer issue. Portfolio might be the you know master or jack of all trades, but and, and kind of can understand. And so you, you need to be able to, they need to be enabled, trained at the level in their uh, specialization. Same thing when you talk about tech sales and that, that one is typically it is the, the people that are performing those roles are the ones that are teaching it, mm-hmm. uh, teaching how to deal with um, or how, you know, have the domain expertise that, can help advise all these things. So I think it's very important for sales enablement to be able to differentiate. But to, to your point, I think it is, you know, hey, there's something, there's some very basic things, there's mm-hmm. tools, there's process, but then getting into the specifics and then being able to, um, you know, add on. Uh, and this would be with the new client or the new newly acquired company, but it's also within, if you're, if there's a synergy play where you're, you've got, um, you know, reps, um, you know, people in these roles that will be taking on that new, you know, line or offering, I think is real important for sales enablement to understand all that. Are you talking the reps that are currently in place? And and and, and well, well, or? so yeah, it's so it's, it's really it's it's really both, and that this is a good question. So it would be reps that are on board that are you know pr- performing, but mm-hmm. typically, and what I've seen when. Um, there's acquisitions that, that the acquired company is really filling in some gaps. And so there could be expansion. So it could be geo expansion where, you know, you don't have that footprint in you know, Asia or South America, Latin America. And so you need to, to train people, not only onboard them, but train them in this new uh, line. But then, then there's also existing where um, you've got colleagues that, if there could be um, something that is complements whatever the you know whatever you're selling and mm-hmm. need to have that additional training um, and, and then it's also it, you know the, the key part is integration it is teaching mm-hmm. um, the new colleagues how to assimilate into the new company yeah. new culture 
And I'm really looking forward to digging into that in our in our part two. So human resources, well, ought to be, and I'm sure that in my experience, they always are heavily involved at this early stage as well. There's sometimes the hard reality of redundancy. It's right. You know, everybody knows, put it out there. Um, and, and, and then we have the final list of who's who's coming and what roles they're going to be in and that sort of thing. So how should HR and enablement be working together during this phase? So sales enablement is a key partner in this with human resources. Um, they need to be very tightly linked with HR in the hiring process so that sales enablement can understand and plan and be you know involved with um, and, and probably help um, HR with uh, some of the talent. There, there's some uniqueness that the sales enablement will, if they're on uh, involved early on, that they'll be able mm-hmm. to again provide advice and counsel to HR. I always get sales enablement as kind of the soft landing mergers that um, that is, again it's a culture change. Mm-hmm. But one of the most important assets is acquiring that talent. And so it, it, it would be awful to lose um, you know, those, those colleagues because mm-hmm. that, that is something that is really important to the acquisition success. So it would be, uh, another thing would be, hey, look at you know, early warning signals if, if a rep is um, struggling with moving mm-hmm. into the new culture or some gaps. Okay. All right, um, and, and help them out, and then and then there's some other things that you know sales enablement because they know everybody, and you know H- HR isn't as intimate is right. finding managers. So um, no, I think I think that they need to play a huge role with HR. Have you found that some HR leaders or departments are more receptive to that partnership than others? Um, yes, um, I, I mean it's yeah, I, I think it's, it's personalities, and mm-hmm. I think that the, the the ones, the, the really smart ones, mm-hmm. will we'll accept the help from sales enablement and understand that linkage. Because I mean, again, HR is, is hiring for everything, DevOps right. and finance and all these other yeah. things. But this is this is somebody that is you know tightly close. And again, this is a real important hire. So yes, I think that um, there, there are some that you know will will not will not use the the help they can get from sales enablement. But I think the really good ones successful one as well. Since we're both in agreement that that partnership is critical, I'm just going to say for, to the welfare, right, of of the parties coming on board and to some degree the folks that are already here. Any tips or recommendations that you can share on how sales enablement leader can maybe break that ice if they're additionally not receptive? So, I mean, so it's like any other relationship. It mm-hmm. would be um, you know, uh, uh, probably one-on-one and, and go in and, and then, you know, open up with, um, you know, the, the value proposition of what, what you can offer. And look, you, you know, there, there's some people that aren't receptive and, you know, it just makes it difficult. But I, I think that if you go in, you know, in a servant spirited kind of a, a way that I, I can't imagine that an HR person wouldn't appreciate the help. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and again, break the ice and show, hey, you know, we're, we're all working towards the same thing. I think in most cases that HR will want to bring in because one of the big things is, and, and I've, I've seen where we've had within HR culture managers that, mm-hmm. uh, that 
want to make sure that we integrate. And um, th- this is a great ambassador for that. Okay. Details in it. You talked a little bit, and I think we'll get into this deeper in the next episode, but you, t- you talked a little bit about watching for the early warning signs of acquired reps struggling. Is there anything, like I say, I want to really dive into that when we get into the integration piece, but is there anything that could be really early warning signs when we're in this you know, stage where both parties, we'll talk about announcements in a minute, but let's say that the announcement has been made, the the parties uh, in the in the company being acquired are aware, so it's, you know it's all out there. Are there any things, and I don't know that there are, that we can use to try to start to gauge that before they actually get here? Because it'd be great if you could get in front of some of those warning signs. I really don't know if there's the institutional way of doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it just it's really on an individual basis. I mean, there's some, you know, and hey, just an example of IBM. Hey, I work for, you know, a small company and I do not want to go work for a large company. I mm-hmm. have seen where we've had colleagues that work for IBM that left and went to one of the companies we acquired. Mm-hmm. And and so there's some sensitivity that goes there. So um, I just think it's, again, I think it's, it's all of us. I mean, it, it would be the sales and sales enablement, HR, everybody. And I, but I do think that sales enablement because of the relationship. Okay. Can get under the covers much easier than, than really anybody else. All right. That's fair. So now we're to the point where we're ready, you know, both parties are ready to announce this to the world. The due diligence, you know, is clear. The lawyers are happy. So here we go. You made an interesting comment to me when we talked last that you felt sales enablement needed to be an active, not passive member of the announcement stage. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? That may be something that others haven't thought of. Once the announcement happens, there's there's a lot of um, you know excitement. There's a lot of things, and there's a lot of questions, and so. And a lot, a lot of it does surround sales. Okay, so what's going to happen? How, how are we going to do this? What's the, what's some of the preliminary plans? You may not have everything, and so sales enablement, you know, should be consulted and understand. Uh, in, in IDM, um, we had sales enablement was responsible for the, the landing page of all, you know all the acquisitions, and so interesting. They they created the they created the synopsis, mm-hmm. and so they were they were heavily involved with. Uh, marketing and with communications and making sure because again you know this this is really important um, you know, the the brand and and maintaining keeping sales you know again is is very important so um, the uh, you know, so sales enablement you know is, is typically there and help crafting some of the communication and and so they become subject matter experts when mm-hmm. you know nobody knows what's going on and be able to address a lot of those issues with the target company and also help, you know, in conjunction with HR and others to make sure that there's a smooth transition that, you know, Hey, look, we're not going to go rip your communicate, uh, your, um, your commission, uh, you know, you're, you're on some you know, plan and we're, mm-hmm. we're not going to go rip that out. We're not going to go change everything. It's an integration and these things take time. And if you do it thoughtfully, um, you know, you can you can keep the the, the reps and you know, and show that there's a great career path ahead of them, mm-hmm. and then you can onboard new colleagues 
uh, and get everybody really excited. And I've seen that a lot where we've had, you know, just, it's just a big announcement where everybody gets really excited. You just said something I find really interesting, and that is showing them career path. Now, many sales enablement teams, assuming they've got the staffing to do it, are active partners in creating career paths, you know, sales SDR to AE, AE to enterprise, that sort of thing. But is there a way that, I mean, I realize these folks are going to come over in their role and nothing's going to change immediately, but are you suggesting that that there may be some even just um, basic career pathing that, that could be you know thought through and and showed to them? Because it's a really interesting idea for retention. Yeah, you know, I, 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 absolutely. So, and I and I have seen this. So, it may not necessarily be the SDR to AE. It could be SDR to senior SDR mm-hmm. or account mm-hmm. exec to and, and those kinds of things because. Their responsibility, you know, they didn't really have that banding or level within. And so there, you, you have, okay, so what's the difference between being, a, you know, a, a, an associate versus a senior? Mm-hmm. That's something sales and everything can come in and, and differentiate that. And I also think it, it, it lays out, you know, again, a career path that people, hey, you can get promotions in, you know, within the profession that you're in. You don't necessarily have to make that leap from B, you know, SDR to AE. You could become maybe even positioned to become SDR, BDR manager. I honestly did never think of that until you just said it. So you just dropped some knowledge on me. Thank you. Uh, but that's a, that's our, I mean, because retention, as you mentioned earlier, is often maybe the biggest challenge uh, in an acquisition. Because I've seen the same thing. You know, hey, I work for a really cool London startup. I never signed up to work for a multi-billion dollar U.S. corporation, right, or something similar. You may not save everybody, but being able to, you know, you know, we all need to understand what's in it for us. It's great. It's great for the board of directors on both sides. It's great for the shareholders, right? But why should I be happy about this? So, yeah, I think it's a great point. And just one other point where you're mm-hmm. talking is that I just want to make sure people that understand and this is kind of a little bit off the uh, record here or not necessarily on task here, but there, there are companies that will acquire companies and get rid of all the sales. They just want the intellectual property. Uh-huh. Um, there are where it's redundancy and all that. So, so it's not all, you know, rose colored glasses, but no. this is, I think the healthy side of, of M&A. And again, I think that Bill Hibble has a, huge part in making you know any integration very successful well this has been a lot of fun like i say everybody listening please come back because we're gonna have just as much fun next time and i would be surprised if each of you hasn't picked up something uh whether you've done m&a's or not from from this conversation so jamie i always like to end giving our guests you mentioned being a little off topic you can go as off topic as you want with this last question if you could go back and have a one-on-one with 20-year-old Jamie, what would you focus on? What would be the thing that you wish you'd known earlier in your career? Lighten up mm-hmm. and uh, probably listen more and not necessarily try to be the smartest guy in the room all the time uh, and, and be probably more trusting. It was... You know, if I didn't, if I didn't invent it, it wasn't good. And, and 
Um, and then over time, I, I learned much different. But I, I would go back and tell, tell that guy to lighten up. And then all, also, um, in, in, I, I had this conversation recently was probably would not have stayed in one company for so long. I mean, I, it, it, you know, back in those days, you know, my, my dad worked in a partial service for 40 years. That's mm-hmm. what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I would have gone back and talked to me and said, you know, hey, that's a good aspiration, but you're, you're going to miss out on a lot. And, and so um, I found myself making up to lost time on that. But that, 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 that's probably what I would say to my 20-year-old self. That's right. a good question. Yeah. Thank you for that. Well, that's a wrap for this session, everybody. Once again, we've been speaking with Jamie Klanick. Um, who has done well with IBM. He talked about that, but he's done numerous, uh, facilitated numerous successful mergers internationally. And we started off talking about the due diligence and, and working with human resources and how sales enablement would be partnering even up through the announcement of the acquisition. So bye for now, but come back next time when Jamie and I get into the meat of the integration. Now everybody's here. How are you going to organize the training? How are you going to organize the cross-selling? And we'll go from there. Have a great afternoon. Thanks for joining this episode of Stories from the Trenches. For more sales enablement resources, be sure to join the Sales Enablement Society at www.sesociety.org. That's www.sesociety.org.